I'm Yasmin Mesh Johnson. And I'm Yasmin Bilkis Brian. We are Y Square Pod. Welcome back to a new episode. We have another conversations with. We have a special guest. She is our friend, but we will allow her to toot her own horn. So, introducing Ingo Zico. <laughs> hello, hello everyone. Um, thank you to Y Square Pod for this amazing opportunity. They are my friends, but you know, you know, plug in your parties. Of course, <laughs> all our friends gotta eat. <laughs> so I am Ngozi. I am a writer, um, a feminist, and a communications consultant, communications for development specifically. Um, I moved back home in 2016, so next year will be my five-year anniversary of being back home. It's early. Wow. Um, I've worked in the development sector, starting with Partners in Health, and then Cordaid, and now um, I work on two um, DFID projects, one focusing on maternal health and the other focusing on um, disaster shocks in Sierra Leone. So that's me in a nutshell. And I also run um, a literary journal called Poda Poda, uh, which I started in July last year. And it's just like a space online for selling and writers and poets to have a platform to share their work and their stories. So um, I'll tell you more about Poda Poda later on. Yeah, I recently um, interviewed Ngozi on my YouTube segment, Salon Scoop, where she was talking about Poda Poda stories. But this is just to know more about you. Well, you can still talk about Poda Poda stories, mm-hmm. but we want to know more about Ngozi herself, the writer, feminist, what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you say that you have been in Sierra Leone for nearly five years. Where were you before? So I actually left home when I've moved. So. <laughs> The first time I left home, I was five, and that was during the war. Um, that was around 1997, and I lived in the Gambia as a refugee for about five years. When I moved back, I started the Annie Walsh Memorial School, and while I was there, I was a senior prefect. And then in my final year, I got a scholarship to study in Johannesburg at the African Leadership Academy. Oh, wow. So I lived in Johannesburg for two years as a teen, and then I came back home for a year, and then I went to the States. Um, I lived in Ohio, um, the state of cornfields. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in Ohio. That's where I did my um, undergrad at the College of Worcester. It was a small private liberal arts college. And then right after college, I was like, you know what? I just want to be in Africa. I didn't care where, not necessarily back in Sierra Leone. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't envision like, living in the U.S. for a long time. The US was where I wanted to just kind of, you know, build myself and develop and then come and back. And then come back, work, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so I lived in Ghana for a year. I was teaching at Ashesi University. Uh-huh. Um, I was a teaching fellow, um, social theory, leadership. Um, I had an amazing boss, did works with amazing students. And so the plan really wasn't even to come back home for this mm-hmm. long. The plan was to come, take a break, and then go to my master's. Okay. But um, when I came back home, I had a family tragedy. Lost my dad unexpectedly. Wow. Like, it was just um, very shocking. So I decided, you know what? I've just been in and out of salon. Um, how about I just reset my life and just take a break and figure out the next steps? So I'd, I've always been passionate about international development. I think... Uh, we really need more young black people in the development space, especially if you're in your own country. Like it's so so important. Mm-hmm. So I worked for I worked for NGOs ever since I came back um, 
partners in health, CODID, working specifically in communications and partnerships. So now I'm a consultant and I love it. Great, <laughs> I know. The um, freedom that comes with it. about the communications and development. And, yeah. I don't know why. I thought I, we had this conversation before you came. I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I'm sure she studied communications in Ghana. And then yeah. Yas was like, no, she did political science. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> political science and history, actually. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pure, pure arts and humanity. <laughs> so what made you want to, apart from your story about coming home and wanting to reset your life, what was it that was like the catalyst that made you want to switch? Like, okay, I'm leaving the policy life, I'm leaving history, mm-hmm. I want to do communications for development. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that those degrees prepare you for is for you to have like a well-rounded lens mm-hmm. so i never went in thinking oh i'm going to the policy and history to be like a historian of what political scientists i just wanted to see how i can have a different way of looking at things and mm-hmm. a different perspective and i think communications kind of came naturally as like a niche because i love storytelling i enjoy writing i enjoy you know bringing sharing stories and knowledge sharing and all of that so even when I started at Partners in Health, I was initially policy and partnerships, but most of what I was doing was communications. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to Corded, it was purely communications, and then later on, comms and partnerships. Okay. So it was just something I kind of found my niche. And it's been a learning process. I'm still learning mm-hmm. um, because comms is changing, communication Absolutely. tools are changing, so you have to catch up. Mm-hmm. So it's continuously, you know, learning, picking up new skills, seeing what um, clients might need and trying to develop yourself and build your skill sets. It's a new industry. I wouldn't say new, it's more marketing, but because of technology, it's changed a lot. So Mm -hmm. keeping up with it, I can imagine, must be very extensive. Yeah, you have to be on your toes. (laughs) Right. And I love how um, Ngozi talks about it being a learning process because like, both of us have schooled in Sierra Leone. I do in high school. Ngozi has also been in and out of Sierra Leone. We have this perception that if you start in high school when you enter one of the streams, so we've talked about streams before, when you're in high school, you either enter the art stream and you do humanitarian studies, science, you do a lot of biological and mathematics, business, you do a lot of commerce. So when I was here, I was in science, just because I was good in math and I didn't really know what I wanted, but I really liked French. And then I finished uh, high school in the States and I did more of humanitarian studies, but I ended up doing French. So a lot of people were like, oh, but you started in sciences and you deviated to French. I liked French because I just love the diversity of the language, how rich it was, and the opportunities it has afforded me now, mostly. But a lot of the work I do is not really in French. And as Ingozi just told, a lot of the work that she does not really relates to her degree. How can you help to like change perspectives of Sierra Leoneans that don't have to necessarily be grounded in what they study, that they can venture out into different opportunities? That's a really good question. I think just being bold and um, seeking opportunities sort of outside the box. Mm -hmm. Um, Because even now, I I always have to explain to my mom exactly what I do. Because (laughs) because it's it's very new. Even before Corona, um, I I was working from home. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so she'd always look at me like... You just say they walk, but you wear the nighting. Like, oh my God, mom! All I need is in the streets. All you need is internet to, uh, access to internet. Exactly. All I need is my laptop and my Wi-Fi, and I'm fine. And I think we have to find new ways of working and adapting. So I think mm-hmm. just make sure you're open. Just be very, very open to opportunities. Make sure you're also bold 
in selling yourself mm-hmm. and selling what you offer. And don't be afraid to learn new skills. I always say the world is changing. Yes, in our parents' time, it was like, oh, if you're not like a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, an engineer, then you're nothing. And it's mm-hmm. fine to want those things. It's fine to be a lawyer. We definitely need doctors and, you know, the traditional careers. But not everyone either wants to or will excel at those. So just make sure you're open. Just mm-hmm. You never know when the next opportunity might come. Right now, communications is needed. We are in the mm-hmm. midst of a global pandemic. No one really knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. So you need storytellers who can really craft the story in a way that's relatable that people will understand and remember. So just be bold and follow your dreams. I like that, absolutely. So speaking of following your dreams as a writer, <laughs> when did that start? Um, I love literature. I always love books. Um, I started writing. So when I was young, I used to, have, I used to buy like those small notebooks, mm. and I would be my own writer and my own illustrator. Yeah, crazy stories. <laughs> <laughs> these crazy stories, and I'll draw and color them. Um, but then as I grew up and I went to high school, my mm. parents were like, you know, within this, like, kind of they do so, if I know what's your for serious, and mm. I thought being serious was, like, the traditional part. Of so course. I was just kind of writing on the side, like, oh, just something I'll do on the side, you know, not really. But I think the older I'm getting, I'm realizing that I really enjoy writing. And that's where... I'm like my at my happiest. So mm-hmm. I've been writing both fiction, uh, but mostly non-fiction. Okay. I do some journalistic writing as well, mm-hmm. and I've gotten um, fellowships from um, Frida, which is like the Young Feminist Fund, and mm-hmm. they just wanted stories from like um, the global south, what they call the global south, on how feminists are organizing. So I've written on that. Mm-hmm. I've written on like the abortion bill that never passed in Sierra Leone. Right. I've written on Bond's Island. Just writing to keep my passion going. Mm-hmm. Um, but the older I'm getting, I really, really find out that I, I just enjoy writing and I want to spend more time being creative with it. Okay, that's that's really good. Yeah. Speaking of Frida, you recently became a member of the Global Advisory Committee. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats, Ngozi. How did that come about? Was it just because of their rapport with you already? They know that you are a writer? Yeah. So, Frida is, they are like, for young feminists, Mm -hmm. basically for feminists under 35, um, they are like a grant-making organization. And so they give grants to young feminist organizers who just want to make some kind of impact in their community. And they are very, very inclusive. So Mm -hmm. they support LGBTQ um, trans, sex workers, just a very intersectional, what I call it, kind of organization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I had been a media fellow with them, mm-hmm. and even before that, I had followed their work in college. I was like, this is such a really cool organization. Mm. And so when the call came out about last year, end of last year, to be an advisor, I was like, let me just go for it. Yeah. You, know, you never know what might happen. And so, yeah, they came back this year after like three months. <laughs> it was good they came back and they accepted me as one of their um, advisors. And so that means that I'll be part of like the selection committee as well for like who gets grants. Oh. And I think it's just really important for someone from Sierra Leone where we're Absolutely. not yeah, to be in those spaces. Exactly, to be um, in those spaces. So. Um, do you know how many of you were selected? So for sub-Saharan Africa, I think there are like 
Six of us. Wow! Yes. Oh, another congrats. <laughs> what? Because he's one of the six. Six. Because they have Sub-Saharan Africa, they have uh, Middle East and North Africa. Okay. And then they have Latin America. Ah. And how many Europe people? Oh, did they only to... recruit from uh, the Global South? So they... I think so. They don't really have that many people from like the global north. Right. So it's like they really focus on like Latin America, South, um, Sub-Saharan Africa, uh-huh. Asia, Middle East, and North Africa. Oh. As well. How many people in total in the committee? I actually don't know. I think about twenty-five of us. Wow. Um, okay. Great. Right, congrats again. Yes. Salon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Speaking of Salon Pride, so like uh, two months, you already know what I'm going to ask you. Uh, two or three months ago, um, Ingozi and I were opportune to go to Ghana for a feminist transformative um, leadership summit. So it was great. So when I got my acceptance letter, like, you need to know, Ingozi is the most unbothered human I have ever met, but I love her vibe. So when I got the letter, I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, yes, Ingozi applied. Let me ask her. I was like, Ingozi, did you get it? Mamaya, I know you've been checking the email. I'm like, girl, you better check so we can go. So then she got the letter, fortunately, and but uh, the way they booked our tickets for some interesting reason, we weren't on the same flight, unfortunately, but we got there around the same time and we, we had a lot of fun. So what I'm leading to is that she's a feminist and I love that she led with that. How is it being like a young feminist like in these spaces? Hmm. Let's start with being a feminist right. in Sierra Leone mm-hmm. I think, first of all, the, there's, there needs to be a very clear understanding of what feminism really is. Mm-hmm. I think there's a basic understanding that, yes, you know, it's, you're fighting for the complete equality of the sexes. And then the other layer is what does it mean to actually live in such a world? Because mm-hmm. you're advocating for, for it, though, in theory, but then living it as like a young woman in Sierra what does that mean? And it's difficult because we live in a very, very patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. Even sometimes people find it hard to accept that we live in a patriarchal society. Yep. Yep. So it's like, okay, where, where do you even begin? Mm-hmm. But I think even in the work that I do in my day job, I try to just always put in what they call a gender lens. Mm-hmm. Like just normalize certain things. Normalize women's stories being told. Normalize... Mm-hmm talking about um, a female doctor, a female nurse, a female organizer and their work that they do. Just normalize or like what they call gender mainstream, Mm -hmm. mainstream certain things. So yes, there's the work that you do, the activism, but the activism should always be infused in like what you do day to day, how you're interacting with people, Um, if a man has been condescending towards you, how do you put that person in check and say, no, yes, of course, you know, but I also bring in my, I'm a young woman, mm-hmm. according to you, I'm pretty, but what else, do I, what do I really bring to the table? Yes. I'm professional, I have skills, and I'm hardworking, like mm-hmm. that should really be your focus. So it's a tough, like it's a really tough landscape, and I think Sierra Leone isn't really, we seem to have an issue with women who speak up and who speak really loudly. Absolutely. And um, I think the more of us who are not like, afraid to do that the better mm-hmm. yeah how old were you when you considered yourself as a feminist um i think i was always kind of had ideas of certain things were not okay with the way um i lived and the way i was perceived as a girl right. in my home my immediate home i didn't have any issues like my dad was he was fine with having two daughters who were go-getters and that was okay um but i think it was like the immediate 
family, kind no not in like society, yeah, society, family. exactly. Oh, like there was just something that I just didn't think was okay. And then I also I go to church. I'm a Christian, um, but then there are things in church that the pastor would preach, and I remember I'd go home and go to my mom and be like. Ah, Let's see, talk. I love you. Say now, two, now, two, now. Well, you talk a lot. You talk a lot. Still, we talk. But like, no, like certain things, I don't think are okay for women. Mm-hmm. Because actually, when I went to college and took like a women's studies class, that I had a name ah, for okay. some of these ideas I had. And okay. I was so you always recognized it, but you just didn't know how to call it exactly yeah. okay. when i went to college i was like oh so this is like feminism and mm-hmm. it's not just like women's rights so no. like the actual political way of thinking okay well. so mm-hmm. what do you believe are the biggest challenges being a woman in sierra Leone? um sexism just on a daily basis mm-hmm. and um, very casual too very exactly very casual sexism and in a way that you're not supposed to find anything wrong with it mm-hmm. it's like if you have an issue with it, it's like oh what do you you know what's your problem <laughs> it should be so i think just everyday casual sexism and i remember once just a Short example, mm-hmm. I was, there was this traffic jam at Bijan's Road. I was about to say, it's always the driving. Yep, go ahead, I have a story too. It's always with driving. Woman <laughs> driver. Yeah, exactly. Woman driving. What does that even mean? Continue. I was like, this guy, this Okada guy, and this other guy were having a huge fight. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, when I push now, road force, let me the past they will be full. Right. And it was this huge traffic jam. They were just there arguing, and I could see that they, they weren't going to end anytime soon. So I was like, okay, please just move. So me go go. And then the cat the cat guy looked at me and said, but look what you find. But see don't go. Really? What's I gonna do anything? I I can't remember the last time I crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but she's such a she always has a calm demeanor. Right. Actually calling like the B word like the B word. But I mean, they, they definitely mm. like made me pass. I was like, wow, ordinary appeals, you know, for you to get out of this, I can pass. You can tell me, say, you look for a fire, Exactly. So, just the everyday, like, yeah, that's been challenging. Wow. <laughs> so I, yeah, I tell you that all the time. Like, if I'm driving, I'm yeah, reversing. Hey, Cecilia, you said, that's like a Why do you need to help me reverse my own vehicle? I don't understand. Well, I have a license that proves That's a silent coach. So that, <laughs> everyone is a parking attendant. Or traffic police. You know, goodness, all of that, all of that. Yeah. But all that said and done, that's why we have people like Inglesy and other people mm-hmm. in the space that are working to normalize, as she said. Mm-hmm. Um, women being in these spaces but also just trying to change mindsets at the mm-hmm. end of the day um speaking of mindsets like since you studied abroad and coming back to Sierra Leone, not as a diaspora per se but one way or the other in some spaces you may be viewed as that um and working in development as opposed to public sector what would you tell like young Syrians who have this idea that oh no now when you study out and I make you get in kind of in day how can you kind of like help to mainstream getting development work, even if you studied all your life in Sierra Leone? Um, I think one cool thing about development work is 
To be honest, it doesn't really matter where you studied when it comes to development. It's the skills that you bring. Mm -hmm. So even if you studied like project management at IPAM or you studied project management, I don't know, in the UK, when you come to Sierra Leone, it's what you can offer. Right. That should be um, how they hire you and your output as well. Mm -hmm. So I would say don't let... I think some people feel a bit... um, Inferior, insecure, and at the end of the day, it, it does. It honestly doesn't really matter because okay. some people might have studied abroad and they come to Salon and they mess up big time mm-hmm. because either you just don't have the skills or you are not willing to train yourself to have the skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of the day, don't feel inferior. There's a lot of opportunity in development workers want to grow, mm-hmm. um, which is one thing I really admire about some of the. Um, NGOs I've worked with is there's always an opportunity and a chance to build your skills. If you can go in as an intern and become an officer mm-hmm. within like two years. Mm-hmm. So just like I always say, just don't be afraid. Be bold mm-hmm. and really try to make sure that you stay humble by learning. Right. Because you definitely can say, oh, I know all. Nami do. Nami get masters. So Nami sabi. Like you're always, always learning. The world is changing. Um, don't feel insecure or inferior about where you studied. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But how do we um, build that culture, that culture of people being confident, people being bold? Because I feel, well, since I've been here, what I've acknowledged, people, they're not afraid to study. In fact, Salomon and Lekubuku, they like to study. It's, mm-hmm. But that's not, but I think a lot of people, they would have um, qualifications or they're wanting to build skills, but they don't have the confidence to go into an office and to ask for that job or to, mm-hmm. to you know, maybe build up their skills elsewhere. Like, how, how do we as a nation kind of try and make people more confident to confident, do that? Yeah. I think there are some people who are working in that space. I know um, Ellen Elba of Job Search. Mm-hmm. She also wants, like, a skill-building um, program at our office. And I think there are people who have like the TVET coalition mm-hmm. who they try to do like job fairs and connect like employers and young graduates as well. Mm-hmm. So I think people are trying, but I also think um, graduates also need to really work hard on themselves as well because mm-hmm. someone can only handhold you for that long. Right. Um, really make sure you're learning skills on how to first of all build a really good CV. Um, I know it's I mean, the internet is here, and even though it might be difficult to access, but it's here. Right. <laughs> you can just go online and Google CV templates mm-hmm. and plug in your qualifications. Like, really, really learn how to sell yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, build your CV, make sure that your cover letter... <clears throat> little things like the fonts are all the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, a quick grammar check. It doesn't hurt to ask someone else for help in writing a cover letter. Um, so just really try to package yourself well mm-hmm. but it's not just the packaging of course you have to have the skills as well to go along with the packaging so don't be afraid now there's um covid which i mean it's a really it's a global pandemic but there are also some online courses as well as a result mm-hmm. of covid yes uh, so there are online courses that you can take and just um subscribe to like mailing lists newsletters and mm-hmm. build your skill sets I think also in addition to that, um, just to answer Yasmin's question, I think it's also a foundational societal mindset that has to change. Mm-hmm. Because like to an extent, you know, growing up here, let's say you've had a few failures academically and you try to let's say like 
the um, the high school examination, you need to go to university here, which is mm-hmm. called WAS. Mm-hmm. And maybe you failed it once or twice, and people like, ah, well, I don't own now, I don't go do that day. Mm-hmm. You know, they let ego and fear mm-hmm. and intimidation um, bully them mm-hmm. when they themselves are being bullied by society because mm-hmm. you're supposed to be a certain age to enter university, or you're supposed to be a certain age to get married, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. So we have this mindset because we've created these roadblocks for certain milestones, when a milestone should be your achievement and celebration of something. Mm -hmm. So I think it's also a collective, like a change of mindsets that can also help people to be more bold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's agreed. So, Angazi, you mentioned that you created Pada Pada Stories. Do you want to tell us more about that? Why did you feel the need to create an online platform? So I've always loved literature and stories. And when I thought of the name Pada Pada, some of the wildest stories I've had. <laughs> I were in a poda poda. I definitely in a poda poda. Like either uh, when I when we came back from the war, I lived at Tembe Town with my grandma. Mm-hmm. So it was a poda poda from Tembe Town to Eastern Police, mm-hmm. and it was just like crazy stories from these like market women, women who sold fish, you know, like hustlers. Who are just like. Just even talking to each other, I was like, mm-hmm. wow, that's what happened to someone. That's <laughs> where all the tea is. <laughs> oh, by the way, a Pura Pura is a commercial vehicle, like a van. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. A mini bus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was just like, wow, okay. Um, I mean, there are platforms, I would mm-hmm. say, right? I see these, but it's not a, some of them are not like blogs that you could easily upload things to. Mm-hmm. And I know they are doing a great job, like so long as they actually publish like mm-hmm. novels and books. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it would also be nice to have like a digital platform where if you have a story, a poem, a short film, an essay, you could just have like a collective platform for people mm-hmm. to share their stories. And um, recently someone shared their poem about the state of Sierra Leone and it was kind of emotional because I was like, wow, we really have a very complicated history. And here's someone just wanting to share their thoughts on it through a poem, a very mm-hmm. harmless sounding poem. Um, and I think literature really has the chance to bring people together mm-hmm. and also to bear witness to what's going on. So I was very happy to just start like a platform, a website where if you have a story, Poem and there's some very interesting things <laughs> in the, on the Poda Poda website. Like okay. you can all check it out. It's poda-poda.com. And okay. that's open to any Syrian to publish. It's yes, definitely. If you are Syrian um, in the diaspora or at home, mm-hmm. please, please feel free to send in your work. Okay. Welcome to everyone. Great. Are great. you going to do anything for the one year next month? I want or two time? Uh, in July. I'd like to. Um, I was thinking of kind of like a small launch where we could have like a small Pura Pura fest. Oh. We have different storytellers come together. Mm-hmm. Virtually. I know, yeah, <laughs> at this point I'm thinking it would have to be virtual, mm-hmm. um, like a Zoom thing or like a small webinar, just an online launch or something. But okay. Definitely. That would be great. So yes, I mean, I think you've more or less plugged everything you want, but what would be your advice to young people who want to either venture into the world of comms or development or start writing, but they don't have the courage to yet? Oh, I'll say find the courage. (laughs) 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 I always say, I feel like our generation, like those of us who are born, in the 90s mm-hmm. we are definitely the pioneers of like a new Sierra Leone mm-hmm. whether we like it or not I mean and, 
we just have to find a way of working with it and building a new narrative so if your passion is to be a writer I know it's difficult to like tell your parents oh me on why big na writer won't be it's not really like <laughs> you know like an aspiration but I'll say just start doing it just yeah. start writing it comes with your passion sending that application to be like it comes even if it's an internship position mm-hmm. so you want to intern for someone in comms and that's how you build that's how you learn mm-hmm. if you want to work in development find an internship or like an entry level job as an NGO and trust me once you're in there's so many opportunities to learn and grow mm-hmm. so just don't be afraid um just like i always say just build your confidence and build your self esteem and just go for it Okay, that's great. Damn. I have one last question. Go ahead. Um, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, my advice would be to make sure you don't listen to too many voices mm. in the market. Because um, I think at times when we we feel as though we want something, we kind of listen to everyone like, oh no, you, I feel so you go be good. Like lawyer, you get a lawyer face. Or you be good engineer, you get an engineer kind. You sabi math, sabi like don't let anyone tell you who you should be. Mm. Just really look within and search for the person that you're happy with. And mm. you're, you're happy with that version of that person, then just move forward with. I agree. Okay. Too many voices cloud your judgment. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So before we go, Inglesi, do you have anything else you'd like to plug or let people know about? Well, follow me on social media. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, I'm on Twitter, um, Ngozi M. Cole. And on Instagram, as Ngozi Cole. Please do not screenshot any of my tweets <laughs> and send them to WhatsApp groups. <laughs> But yeah, just follow me um, on my social media. And of course, follow Poda Poda on social media as well. It's Poda Poda SL on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Nice. Yeah. And of course, you can follow us at yes. Pod <laughs> on Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> and, and Instagram. Instagram. Thank you so much oh, for coming in, Ingozi. We appreciate you. it. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Catch us in two weeks. Bye. 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 Where's Grandpa? Where's Grandpa? Now, Gallis, the West Grandpa.